Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to Fairfax Bible Church. So good to be with you guys this morning worshiping. Uh, by the way, if I haven't met you, my name is Ryan. I'm the one that you can talk to about intro to Fairfax Bible Church. I would love to get you connected there, and uh, I'd love to meet you after the service, too. So I'll be out in the, the lobby and would love to, to get a chance to meet you. But you guys can go ahead and grab your Bibles and open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. So if you don't have a Bible, you can go, go ahead and grab one of these blue ones down here in the front. Pull it up on your phone, um, and we'd love to, to meet you there in Ephesians chapter 4. Well, July 28th, 2013, uh, that was, what, eight years ago now at this point that I, I stood right here, preached my very first sermon here, um, and I remember that date very well because it was my birthday. So you guys that are looking at your, your watches thinking like, August 8th, wait, yeah, I just celebrated birthday, so thank you very much. And uh, I, can, I can tell you how old I was because I'm, I'm not that old yet, but I would have been 25 at the time, and, uh, and I, was, I was young. Um, Shannon and I, had we had just gotten married. Uh, our church had just launched like not even a year before, and I had had no formal training or, or like coaching through this process. I just kind of picked a passage and talked about it for, for 30 minutes or so. And, uh, and the passage that I walked us through that morning was Ezekiel 36. So we're not going to be there this morning. I debated whether or not I could just like bust out the old sermon notes and just go through this again, because I'm sure not many of you were here eight years ago. But uh, Ezekiel 36 is what we looked at. And, and the main point that, that I was trying to drive home uh, that morning was that it is the Lord who acts in our salvation. Much like when, when Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, uh, Ezekiel 36 tells us that God will give us a new heart. He's going to replace our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. It's a great truth. Yeah, praise God for that. But as I began to spend more time in God's word and, and uh, listen to more preaching and, and be encouraged by more brothers and sisters, I, I started to realize that, that that's not it, that there's more to being a Christian than just receiving a new heart, trusting Christ and becoming a believer. And so just as I have hypothetically grown since being a 25-year-old preaching his first sermon here, God's word shows us that, that salvation or, or justification for you, for you Bible nerds out there is, uh, is not the end. There's, there's a process of growing in maturity after we become a believer. It's that, that sanctification, that making us more like Christ, that is a necessary part of being a growing disciple. And the Bible tells us that a saved person is a growing person and that a child of God will become more and more like God in both their thoughts and their actions. So uh, this morning, I want to invite you guys to open your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16 this morning. And I'm going to give you a second to, to flip there, but uh, I think this is a good time for a little pop quiz. I know some of you guys love this. Some of you are dreading it because you're thinking like, man, this is still my summer. So stop, stop quizzing me. But uh, show of hands real quick. Who was with us last September for our vision weekend? We were out at the City Gates Church. Uh, we had our, our little camp chairs. It was a nice, nice night. We were outside. Okay, not many of us. This is going to be tough then. I have faith in you guys. That's not the quiz, by the way, but you guys get to participate in the quiz. So first thing, I want you guys to fill in the blank. Our vision this past year was that we wanted to be a, a growing church. Awesome. And then the second question, this is going to be tough for you guys. I know it. But who remembers what Pastor Jeff preached through last September? 
I'll give you a hint. It's exactly what we're looking at this morning. He, he went through Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. So I hope you guys are there with us. Uh, we're going to do a little check-in on this past year just to, just to kind of see how we've been, how we've been doing. Uh, but I want to invite you to open your Bibles and, and turn there. Just want to encourage you as we pursue growing in our spiritual maturity as a church. So Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. God, we praise you this morning that, that you are God and that we are not, uh, that by your hand we are given new life and unity in Christ. So, Father, I pray, I pray this morning for the equippers, and I pray this morning for the saints, Lord, that, uh, that you would just build them up. And, and I praise you for the spiritual growth that we have seen in this church, not only this past year, but the past nine years as a church. So, uh, Father, would you help us this morning? Help us to see your glory and your love for your church this morning. So what we're going to see this morning is from a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote while he was imprisoned in Rome, and, uh, and he was writing to the church in Ephesus where just about 10 years prior to that, he was a pastor to those people. So he's preaching to them, uh, teaching the Word of God, and, and usually in Paul's letters, one of his goals is to, like, is to fix something that he sees is wrong. Is wrong. Uh, but Paul's goal here in this letter to the Ephesians was to encourage the church to, to look more like Christ, to look to Christ, knowing that Jesus made their adoption uh, their new heart possible, and to challenge them to, to live up to their calling in Christ, to walk in a manner worthy of that adoption and holiness that they were called to that we see uh, just earlier in chapter 4. And so, so the big theme that we're going to see making its way through this passage this morning is that Christ has given his church powerful spiritual gifts that we'll see bring about unity and maturity as a body. And so, so just before Verse 11 here, we, we see Paul talks about the unity that we already have in Christ, right? He, he says that we are one in Christ, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. But then he starts talking about this, this diversity of gifts that was given to the church there. And it's through that diversity that brings about the unity and the maturity and the growth of the body. Like I said, uh, this morning's going to be a little bit of a check-in just to see how God has been working on our, in our church this past year. And if you remember back to last September, when Pastor Jeff laid out the vision for our ministry year, kind of where we were going, what we wanted to, uh, to focus on, what our priorities were going to be as a church in order to carry out our mission. Pop quiz, question number three. You guys probably knew this was coming, right? Who here knows our mission? If you know our mission, would you say it with me? Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community. Well done. You guys passed. That's, that was good. Question two was a little shaky, but you guys made up for it with question three. So I'll give you that. And the vision that, that we had as uh, Jeff walked us through this exact same passage, passage last year was that we wanted to be 
a growing church. Now, there's a, there's a magic number that we have in the, the Shaughnessy House that we just discovered uh, the past couple of years, and uh, it's, it's not a magic number that probably means much to you guys. It's not something that, like, most kids are trying to attain by any means, but uh, you want to know what the magic number is? 40. 40 is the magic number. It's not, it's not years. I'm not that old yet, but 40 inches is the magic number in our house. And you're probably like, what, what is so great about 40 inches? Well, 40 inches will open up an entirely new world to a toddler at Disney World, right? I'm going to have a, a picture up here on the screen for you, but this is Grace. Uh, one of our recent trips to Disney World, that we, we were actually with the Gills on this trip, um, and as you can tell, the height requirement there for Soren is pretty clear, right? 40 inches. That face just gets me every time. It's so sad. Uh, just a little short. I'm sorry, kid. It's just the bad genes. But, uh, so this past year, like we have been busting out the measuring tape, standing against the wall, trying to see how quickly Grace could get to 40 inches so we could go back to Disney World and she could ride Soren. And let me tell you, I have not wanted her to grow faster in my life. So for the record, she is 40 inches. She's like 42 inches now. So yeah, she made it. Yes. That means she can, uh, she can ride Tower of Terror with dad too. But I doubt that's going to happen. But anyway, it, although it is sad that they aren't like our, our cute little babies anymore. Like I see Riley just like doing her, her little drawing and just sitting there like a big girl. Uh, we celebrate growth in their lives, don't we? Like we cheer when we see it. We want them to grow up, right? Some of us, maybe. Yeah, they are cute. But uh, well, the same is true of us as believers and, and us as a church. We want to grow up. But Jeff cautioned us last year, uh, and, and he said, just because you're getting older, just because you're getting bigger, doesn't actually mean you're growing up. What if our church was getting older and getting bigger, but we never grew up? What if our church was getting older and getting bigger, but we never grew up? If we want to be a growing church, we need to have a church full of maturing and multiplying believers. You know, we, we live in an area, area here in Northern Virginia where we pursue growth in, in so many ways. Like if, if you are not growing, you're dying is kind of the, the phrase that's, that's thrown out. And we have people pursuing doctorates. We have people pursuing successful small businesses, uh, people pursuing large bank accounts, large social media accounts, pursuing growth in the gym. I mean, we, we want to see growth in our kids, so we're putting them in the best schools we can, uh, putting them in travel sports, swim lessons, gymnastics. We have them learning multiple languages, which is crazy. Like, even in our church, we want to see growth. We want to see our small groups grow. We want to see our impact in the community grow. We want to see uh, our attendance on Sunday mornings grow. Like, I've literally had dreams on Saturday night that those ugly black curtains were no longer there, and we had people sitting in every seat in this place. But question for us, church, are we as concerned with our own spiritual growth as we are about growth in all these other areas? And my hope and my prayer is that, that we will trust God to grow us in maturity. And, and so this morning, I want to answer the question, how does our body grow? So let's take a look here, back at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Hold, hold that, we'll come back to that part. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Mature manhood, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what, what does that look like for us? You know, we see this, this theme of growth throughout the passage that we're looking at this morning. And so, so to answer our question, how does our body grow? Uh, here's the first way we grow. Our body grows when we look more like Christ. You know, I mentioned this in the beginning, but there's more to being a Christian than just trusting Christ. There's a process of growing in our maturity, and, and that process is called sanctification. Now, some of you guys know what sanctification means. Some of you are looking at me like some sort of chemical reaction. So I'm, I'm going to give you a quick definition here. Uh, sanctification, according to Wayne Grudem, is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. I'm going I'm to throw up a, a chart here on the screen to hopefully help you show what this looks like. This is, a, this is my version of like doing some creative uh, type of work. Shannon, Shannon would not let this fly. But anyway, we, talk, we talked about this down here, that this moment of salvation. I'll try to get out of your way. You see that circle? Like that's when we're given a new heart. God gives us a new heart. He replaces that heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh. And from that point on, it's this continual progressive process of becoming more and more and more like Christ throughout our lives. You know, Romans, 16, or Romans 6, 19 says, Just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So, so our job as believers in Christ now is to grow more and more and more in our sanctification, as opposed to how we grew more and more and more before Christ in our sins. So for me, as I've hypothetically grown since uh, becoming, or since I was a 25-year-old, the key is that I'm not just growing old in Jesus, but that I'm growing in my maturity. And so the key for us as a church is that we're not just growing older and growing bigger, but that we're growing in our maturity. So sanctification, it's really growing to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so while Jesus is the standard of this per perfect maturity that uh, we as the church must aspire to, the Bible teaches us that we're unable to meet that standard and that we're in desperate need of God's grace and his forgiveness like we were just singing about this morning. But that doesn't mean that we just coast through our lives knowing that we'll never attain this perfection, right? The, the expectation of the Christian life is that you will be progressively looking more and more and more like Christ as you go through life. You know, so much of the New Testament is instructing the church in how they should grow to be more like Christ. Really, all of, all of the commands and exhortations that we see in the New Testament are encouraging greater sanctification in our lives. So while we trust God to work in our hearts and sanctify us, we also have an active role in this process. You know, Scripture tells us to train ourselves for godliness. And so as we're talking about this, this theme of growth, I keep being, keep being drawn back to these metaphors of, of pruning, of fruit, of like the labor that it takes to see growth, and of the foundation of the roots. And Colossians 2.6 says, Therefore, as you have rece received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, 
and established in the faith. Now, I am by no means a gardener. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I've ever, like, really planted anything that has ever produced fruit in my life. I think I just don't have, I don't have the patience for it when I can drive two minutes down the street and pick up whatever I need that's, like, grown by a professional. So uh, there's that. But I am a dad, and I live in the suburbs, and I take pride in my grass, right? <laughs> Any, anybody else? Any other dads? Like, the perfect height, nice and green. No one? No one? Oh, my goodness, guys. We have... A lot of work to do. I know a lot of you live in like apartments and condos too, so you got the, the lucky end of the stick there where you don't have to do your yard work. But um, <clears throat> well, here's the deal. I have been, I've been trying to grow grass in a couple areas of my yard for a couple years now. And uh, you'll understand why I say trying and put that in quotes. But we, a couple years ago, we had somebody come out and remove a few trees from the side of our house. And um, it just left like this big dirt pile that we didn't really know what to do with, and we didn't really have any plans for it at the moment, so I got a little lazy and just threw out some grass seed, and uh, I was thinking like, well, maybe some grass will grow here, and thinking back, I probably should have said a a quick little prayer as I did that, but I'm sure you can guess what happened, right, or what didn't happen. That's right, no grass. There's a little bit of grass. I'll give myself some credit, but it is not looking good, Um, but there were three things that I did learn as a result of this massive failure. Number one is that the middle of summer is not a great time to plant grass. It's just going to get burned up. That's uh, as simple as it is. Number two, throwing grass seed on rocky dirt is not a recipe for success. Learned that the hard way. And uh, number three, oh, that's a good pun. Gosh, that's, thanks, guys. I didn't even plan that one. There's some, uh, number three, there's some work that has to be put in if you want to see grass grow. And so these are things that I, that I learned the, the hard way, but uh, the thing that, that all of these lessons revealed is that I'll never have that lush green grass that I desire until there are strong roots that can develop from that grass seed. Church, if we want our body to grow, to look more like Christ, we need to have firm roots planted in Jesus. Just like a tree can't produce fruit if it's not growing, We as believers will not be able to produce fruit if we're not growing. You can't produce fruit if you're not growing, and you can't grow if you don't have deep roots. So what's the state of your roots? Have you you seen evidence of the fruit of godliness in your life? Remember, good roots produce that that good fruit. As you look back, can can you see this consistent pattern of growth in your life? Are, this, are there like sins in your life that just no longer have that, that tight grip on your heart? I mean, parents, have you seen yourselves growing in patience? Not, not growing impatient, but in patience. Or spouses, how about you? Are, are you growing in showing honor? Growing in submission? Uh, growing in humility? You know, pride is a, is a very poor soil for spiritual growth. And if I'm examining the state of my roots the question that comes up is, how do, I, how do I make sure that I'm rooted in Christ? And we're going we're gonna to find out more as we keep moving through Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Uh, but I, I know you've heard it said that, that healthy things grow, and we want to be a healthy church that, that looks more like Christ, that's growing as mature disciples to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why? In verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. 
if we're going to speak the truth in love, like we're commanded here in Scripture, we, we first need to know the truth, right? If we're going to, be, if we're going to uh, like stand firm in our faith and not be tossed to and fro by the waves, we need to be rooted in the Word of God. Which leads to the second way our body grows. How does our body grow? Our body grows when we know the Word of God. Looking back here at verse 14, Paul says that the result of being equipped and growing in our Christ-likeness is that we'll no longer be children. Right? Who here has kids? That We just sent them on out. Cabana, you're a happy man. Uh, I, won't, I won't make you like describe your kids and throw them under the bus. Um, I'll do that for you. So uh, kids aren't very smart a lot of the time, right? They, they don't have a lot of knowledge. It's just like... It's, it's just that simple. Kids are extremely gullible and easily influenced. I could go back there in the kids' classrooms right now and tell them that ice cream comes out of the water fountains. And you're gonna, you guys are going to go back in the hallway and see a line of kids just lined up at the water fountain ready for their ice cream. They, uh, they lack a lot of self-control. They often can't see the bigger picture. They're just focused on, like, what can I get right here, right now? And so, so what's the problem? What, why is this bad? Why do we not want to be considered children when talking about our faith? Well, it's the, the lack of stability and knowledge as an immature believer that can lead to being easily influenced by the world and honestly, easily influenced by false teaching within the church. Not everybody in the church is on the same team. Did you guys know that? Not everybody in the church is on the same team. I don't, what do I mean by that? You know, in, in the Apostle Peter's second letter, uh, he was warning the church about some people who were, who were twisting the truth that Jesus and the early church were, were teaching. And he wrote in 2 Peter 2, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And then Paul goes on to, to write a pretty scathing letter here about false teachers, but, but then wraps up by encouraging the church with this in verse 7. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, so you guys know this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, the thing that I've noticed a lot about false teachers is that they may say a lot of biblical things, right? They, they have glimmers of great teaching, but then they'll slide in subtle thoughts that don't really accurately teach about the deity of Jesus. Or they'll, they'll make salvation uh, something that, that we accomplish uh, and make it more man-centered. Or they undermine the absolute truth of the Bible. And I know this was killing some of you guys earlier when I said that healthy things grow. You wanted to finish it. But just as healthy things grow... Unhealthy things grow as well. Mold, cancer cells, etc. And, and we as a church, we want to take special care to make sure that everyone here knows the truth of God's word firsthand. So we're not following in our, in our sensuality. We're not carried away, but, but we have that stability and we grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And I praise God for, for the elders that we have here at Fairfax Bible Church, uh, just leading the way and, and guarding us against this false teaching. And our elders, Matt and Dave, they, they have an extremely difficult but an extremely rewarding responsibility of leading our church by overseeing the, the doctrine, the uh, direction, and the discipleship of our church. So would you pray for them? It is not an easy job by any means, especially as we're without a senior pastor right now. But 
I, th- I think it's pretty clear that these men know the word of God. If you, if you spend any time with Matt and Dave, it is pretty clear right away that these men know the word of God. And I don't want to speak for them, but I also know that this isn't something that, that happens overnight, right? This comes from a, a consistent, intentional, and prayerful habit of, of reading and memorizing and meditating on God's word. Now, I also want to be clear that biblical knowledge does not equal spiritual maturity, right? Biblical knowledge does not equal spiritual maturity. But knowing, believing, and acting on that knowledge often leads the Christian to maturity. And as much as we love our, our elders here, we also have the responsibility to know the Word of God. And, and I can't stress enough the, the importance of reading your Bible daily, the, the joy that can be found in consistently just sitting down, opening God's Word, and having that quiet time each day. But, but the context of Paul's letter to the Ephesians here was focused on us as the corporate body, too. And, and as the body, we get to help each other grow in our maturity, help each other avoid that false teaching and the destructive heresies. I was watching a documentary on Netflix the other week that was following this group of army soldiers in Afghanistan. And there was a part in the film where uh, they got word from one of the locals there that there may be an IED that's on the road just right ahead of them where they were traveling. And so uh, the unit sent out this explosive ordinance or this EOD specialist on ahead of them to clear the way for them so they could travel through safely. And just like the the IED on the road uh, in that documentary, there are plenty of landmines in the, in the church uh, and in the world that we need to be aware of. And there are plenty of mature believers in the church too with the knowledge and the tools and the experience to walk alongside you, to help you identify and avoid some of those landmines that can cause significant damage in the church. So think, think about your own life. Who's, who's an EOD specialist that you have in your life? Who would that be for you? Somebody that can walk with you, run out ahead of you to clear those landmines of, of bad theology and false teaching in your life. And I've, been, I've been so encouraged by some of the relationships in the church that I've seen develop uh, lately where, where the younger are intentionally just involving themselves in the lives of some older families. And then uh, some of the older brothers and sisters are just pursuing and teaching younger believers and, and bringing them into their family rhythms and modeling that Christ-likeness. And one of our six pursuits as a church, too, is purposeful disciple-making. So we want to be a church that's giving ourselves to the multiplication and the maturation of Jesus' followers and pursue that Christ-likeness together as a church. So we don't want to be led astray by this human cunning and craftiness, but uh, in order... Where'd I go there? But the the second half of that verse here in, uh, in Ephesians says that we are to grow up in every way into Christ. And in order to grow up, there needs to be a longing for the Word of God in your lives. 1 Peter 2.2 says, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And when I first got married, uh, I really, really, really wanted to be a dad. And I know I've talked to, to some of you guys about this, but um, the, the picture that I had in my head of like this, this perfect relationship between dad and, and child and like all the fun we were going to have, we were going to have fun all the time. They were going to be perfect little angels. And before we could even leave the hospital with Grace, I quickly realized that that was not going to be the case. 
There's, a, there's this thing called second night syndrome. You get, any of you guys know what I'm talking about? Cabanas are shaking their head, and they are just living that trauma still. But uh, oh, you're, you got there too, right? Yeah. Second night syndrome. So it's basically a chance for parents and their newborn to just like stay up all night on the second night and, and just have a party together, right? The, the, uh, the baby cries, mom or dad feeds them. Baby keeps crying, mom or dad keeps feeding them. And it, it's this seemingly endless cycle of, of feeding your child where you're thinking to yourself, like there is no way that they are still hungry, but there's still this insatiable hunger that uh, they have and this desire for the milk. And, and we know why the infant really, really wants that milk, right? It's because they've tasted it. Do you have that insatiable hunger for the word of God, that longing for the pure spiritual milk? We're, we're not going to have uh, that desire, a longing for God's word, if, if we haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So think about you, is, is reading your Bible time, is, is reading your Bible just like a thing where you can check that off? Or are you going through a plan with somebody and you just want to see that check mark on the plan in the Bible app? Does it feel like a job to you? If you are looking to grow in this, looking and growing uh, in reading your Bible, there's just a, a few things that I want to encourage you with, a few uh, little resources that we have for you. But um, first, I want to encourage you to talk to your small group leader and even the people in your small group, right? They, they would love to, to help you with that, and they would love to just read with you. Like, I can't tell you the, the amount of great conversations that I've had with, with some of the guys in, in our small group as we've been reading through the New Testament together. We also have a, a discipleship podcast episode that we put out a while ago where uh, Matt Rumbaugh and Hannah Schmerschneider went through, and uh, it's called Reading Your Bible Every Day. Pretty easy to find. You can find that on YouTube or grab one of them. I'm sure they'd be more than happy to, to walk you guys through some of that stuff uh, in the, the podcast episode. Oh, that's a lot better. Thank you, guys. <laughs> but just know that the Bible is not just a reference book of encouraging verses that are often taken out of context. It's not just a collection of helpful, helpful life tips. It's not just a history book. Uh, it's a chance for us to sit at the feet of Jesus, to gaze up at the beauty of the Lord, as Psalm 27 says. I was reading uh, through a book by Paul Tripp recently, and he was talking about how the Bible is described as a mirror, and in fact, James talks about this when he says, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So, so what he's saying here is that we often don't examine ourselves through the mirror of God's word. It's the mirror of God's word that brings about clarity. It's the mirror of God's word that, that accurately shows you a view of yourself and your spiritual maturity. It's the mirror of God's word that discerns the thoughts and intentions of the hearts, as Hebrews says. It's the mirror of God's word that, in, in verse 15 here, allows us to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. But instead of looking at the mirror of God's word, we often settle for, for one of those goofy carnival mirrors. You guys know what I'm talking about? You walk into the room at the carnival, and they got mirrors all over the walls, and there's a mirror that kind of stretches your neck out, makes you, makes you 10 feet tall. Now, it's, it's still you in the mirror, right? It's still you, but it's showing you a, a distorted view of yourself. It's a, it's a carnival mirror that says, oh, that sin that, uh, that I have, it's not really that big of a deal compared to the sin in her life. Or 
Uh, it's a carnival mirror that says, I have a master's degree, a high-paying job, so I'm obviously better than that other person, right? The danger uh, is that through our pride that we can begin to view these carnival mirrors as, as who we really are. So we're trying, to, we're trying to measure our spiritual growth by looking at these carnival mirrors. And instead of relying on the clarity of God's word, we're relying on these distorted mirrors. So when we're looking, at, looking back at this past year, we're talking about like spiritual growth, how we've seen spiritual growth in this past year in our own lives, in the lives of our church. As we look back at this past year, I want to challenge you guys. Are you relying on the distorted mirror to show you how you've grown? Paul Tripp, asked, he asked this question in the book. Do you examine yourself daily by humbly placing yourself before the one mirror you can trust, the mirror of the word of God? Or have you fallen into the habit of looking into carnival mirrors that will only ever give you a misshapen view of where you are in your personal spiritual journey? There's areas, there's, uh, there needs to be an, an awareness of sin in our life and a humility in light of that sin, that's what's going to drive us daily to God's word for the chance to sit at his feet and gaze at the beauty of the Lord like we talked about in, in Psalm 27. And one of the greatest ways we can experience that joy in Christ and look more like Christ is by savoring and knowing and loving the word of God. So our body grows when we each look more like Christ. Our body grows when we know the word of God. And then this, our body grows when we use our gifts to work for Christ in unity. I want to take you back to Ephesians 4, uh, verse 11. Verse 11 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And then down to verse 16, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Verse 11, the first thing we see is that, that these gifts are given to us by Jesus. They're not given to us by our parents. They're not things that uh, are given to us in school. They're not things that we get to just pick and choose uh, what we want. They're all specifically given to us by Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has given us all different gifts, Right? Paul was, he was previously talking about the unity that we already have as a church, but within that unity, there's a diversity of gifts that we get to celebrate as a church. And so these first gifts here that we see, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, are no, they're no more important than the other gifts that we see in the body. It's not like a sign of spiritual maturity if you have these, these gifts, but the purpose of these gifts is pretty clear. What does it say? It's, it's to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, some people think of uh, the church as a pyramid where you got the, the pastor at the top and everything kind of flows down from there. We obviously know that that's not true here. Uh, and God wants us to see, see the church as a body where every part joined and held together works properly so the body can grow. And so Christ gives gifts to some people whose primary mission is to uh, teach the word of God, and those church leaders are to equip all believers to do the work of ministry in accordance with the specific gifts that they have been given. And so a healthy church is going to have a diversity, a diversity of gifts, right? It needs to have a diversity of gifts, otherwise it's not going to function properly. There's another place in, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians where he uses the metaphor of a body again and, and how our gifts are all part of one body. 
And he says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And then further down, Paul writes that we're given this diversity of gifts, verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And so Paul's saying that, that this diversity in our gifts, it shouldn't lead to pride, it shouldn't lead to separation, but that it should lead to humility and unity, knowing that we can't do it alone, right? We can't do this alone. It's to show our dependence on each other as the body of Christ. And, and when each part is working properly, that makes the whole body grow. If you want to see a, a weak church that isn't growing, look at the ones where, where the senior pastor is the one doing all the work. They're the, one, the only ones who serve, the only ones who pray, the only ones who share the gospel, the only ones who lead small groups. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that, that I've been reminded of this past year, especially, is just the strength of our leadership that we have here at Fairfax Bible Church. It's a little weird because I'm, I'm a part of that, but uh, just looking beyond the senior pastor and, and even our elders, Matt and Dave, I, I see so many people who have just grown in their leadership and, and really flourished in, in ministry because they know what God has gifted them in, and they've been equipped by our leadership for the work of ministry. So I see guys like, like Brian Billman, who has led our Go Beyond ministry so well. They just had a meeting yesterday to see like what this ministry is going to look like as we move forward. I had like 20 people there uh, joining them. I see people like, uh, like Lauren Freeman, who has is, who is led, or yeah, Lauren Freeman now was Witherspoon. Gosh, I'll never get that. She led our setup team so well and just got us to a place where, where we could pass that along to, to Richard Newby. Uh, I see Adrian and Michelle, who love you guys so much, and, and the rest of the prayer team, who they meet every week to, to pray for you guys specifically and us as a church. I see guys like Will, who, well, Will, that's kind of hard because Will does everything, but uh, <laughs> he's a great leader in the church. I see people like my, like my wife, Shannon, who has just led the, the ladies' ministry so well. And spoiler alert, I see Hannah over there, too, who is able to just use her her gifts of teaching the word of God to, to women. Um, I could go on and on and on, but the point is this, that, and I, I hope you guys have realized this by now. I think it's pretty clear that our church, this ministry is, is much more than just one man as a senior pastor. And while we are praying earnestly for God to, to bring us that man, we want and desire that, that leadership in the church. Uh, the church has never been about one man as the guy who, who does all the work. We as the saints are to be equipped for the work of ministry. So where does that leave us? What does that look like for you to be properly working for the Lord? You know, we like to say around here that, that we're looking to get you on the right seat, in the right seat on the bus. So uh, we know where the bus is going, right, based on our mission. We know where it's going. If you guys are here, you're part of the church body. You're already on that bus. So what we're looking to do now is get you in the right seat, using those gifts that have been given to you by God, being empowered by the Holy Spirit to help our body grow. Well, well how do I know what I'm gifted at, Ryan? That's a valid question. And uh, it's, it's the, if that's the question that you're asking, as the encouragement to you that I can give you and that I've seen in our church where, where people can find out what I'm really gifted at is just to, to jump in somewhere and start serving. You know, we have, we have plenty of opportunities that you can find on our Next Steps page. But I just encourage you to, to jump in and, and see if you can find something that you're passionate about 
and something that, that others can affirm in your life. And, and one of the, the good questions to ask yourself when you're thinking about this is where do we have a need for building up the church? And it doesn't just have to be an area on Sunday morning. I think that's kind of what we default to is like, go to the next steps page. There's a list of things where you can work for Christ. You can do setup. Uh, you can do guest experience. You can do worship team, all that. But there's other areas where, where you can work for Christ and, and, uh, and what that looks like within the community too. So how might you work for, for Christ in training and uh, discipling young, younger believers? You know, maybe it's mentoring one of our students. Amen. Amen. But wants that. Yeah, if you want to mentor a student, you get to go on, on cool little field trips too. So you can talk to, talk to Will about that. Uh, but maybe what about those who are gifted in evangelism too? Like how does that fit into the church? It's hard to fit that into to church on Sunday morning. So, so maybe that looks like partnering some, with somebody from your small group, bringing them along as you're sharing the gospel with somebody of a different faith or uh, inviting other people from the church into your home as, as you have an unbelieving neighbor come over to your house for dinner. Many of you guys love to serve, and you want to see your community changed by the gospel. So how about jumping into the Go Beyond ministry? We just talked about the, the meeting that they had yesterday for that and what that's, what that's going to look like, uh, and seeing how you may be, may be able to use your gifts for outreach purposes. So there's plenty of ways, even outside of Sunday morning, that you can use your gifts to encourage and build up the body. I've been, I've been so encouraged the past couple months as I know it's been hard as we've gone from from speaker to speaker and it's kind of kind of seems like it's all over the place but one of the the cool themes that I've seen throughout all of these speakers that we've had um, is just the encouragement to use your gifts to to work and serve the church if you guys remember Pastor Rich he he encouraged us not just to to sit around and, and wait for somebody else to fill this need while we're waiting for a senior pastor like he said this may be your time to fill that need. Instead of sitting, for somebody, sitting around waiting for somebody else to fill it, this could be your opportunity to serve the church. And then Will, uh, a few weeks ago, encouraged us not only to, to be hearers of God's word, but it's that, that hearing of God's word that should lead us to do God's word, right? Pastor Hang's sermon a couple weeks ago, you guys may remember the, the concept that he threw out of, of here I am versus there you are. Right? Has he encouraged us to, to not have that attitude of, of here I am, like love me, serve me, notice me, but having that attitude of, of there you are. I see you. I want to care for you. I want to serve you. And uh, if you remember back to, to last September too, we talked about how our maturity is going to stall out if we're not serving. Right? Why is that? It's because all it leaves us with is focusing on ourselves. So are there gifts that, that you've been given by Jesus that you have neglected? How can you use those gifts to build up the body of Christ and see the body grow? You know, there's no such thing as a non-serving Christian. The Bible doesn't say, like, work for Christ unless you've had a really busy summer and then uh, you don't have to worry about it. Or it doesn't say, like, work for Christ unless your spouse is serving somewhere and then your, your family's got that covered. Uh, we say around here that we believe a growing disciple is someone who worships Christ, walks with Christ, and works with Christ all the time. Not just when it's convenient. It's not a switch that you can just flip on and off when it's convenient for you. But you know, I'm also very encouraged and, and really I'm just blown away by us as a church and, and the ways that you guys serve and, and love our church. I actually ran the numbers last week and we have a total of of 
of regular attenders that are serving in some ministry area. Most of you guys serving in multiple ministry areas. You guys understand that the body isn't going to function properly if you aren't working properly. And so I just want to thank you guys for being so selfless in that, in your service. But I also want to be careful that I'm not just adding something on that you need to do as a believer. You know, we can kind of get in the rut of, of seeing this as some sort of uh, legalistic or moralistic thing that we just have to, have to do as a believer. You know, Paul tells us earlier in Ephesians that we work because of the grace that has been given to us in Christ. We have the, the foundation of the gospel of Christ, which powers our work, not out of obligation or moralism, but it's because of our blessings in Christ, our adoption as, as sons and daughters, and the riches of, of his mercy and grace, which we've done nothing to deserve. And our body will grow when we work for Christ in unity. I know we all want to see growth in our lives. We want to see growth in our church. I mean, we have seen growth in our church, right? I know you guys have probably seen it too. We've seen growth just with our, our ladies' connection ladder. I just love hearing the stories. I'm a little jealous of some of the stories of just seeing women connecting to other women that they would never spend any time with uh, through that connection ladder. ladder. We've seen new worship leaders being built up. I mean, just two guys this morning leading us in worship that weren't leading us in worship a year ago or even a week ago for that matter. We've seen small group leaders being equipped and multiplied. We've added three new small group leaders this past year and we've got two or three others that are in that apprentice role that are, that are being prepared and, and uh, that are in that pipeline for for being small group leaders. We were able to baptize three people last fall outside in a heated pool. It was beautiful. And we were able to baptize six other people this past summer. A lot of you guys were were a part of that too. And don't even get me started on the babies that we are seeing in this church too. I praise God for all of the the new life that we have um, that you guys are going to see over the next few weeks, I'm sure. I don't want to spoil anything. Matt's going to give us a little... Little announcement at the end, but uh, I'm going to fill you in on a little secret, too, that you may not want to hear. It's not up to us. It's really not up to us. 1 Corinthians 3 says, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So if we've grown at all this past year, it's completely because of him. And any, any growth that we've seen over the past year should say more about God than it says about ourselves. We're only going to grow by his grace. And one of, the, one of the other things that I've been reminded about, especially throughout this, just this whole pastoral search process, and, and it's something that we've talked about a lot as a church and that we've been trying to, to share about through God's word, and that's the faithfulness of God. And let me tell you, there is there's no earthly reason, really, why we should be a church right now. Like back in 2015, when our, when our first senior pastor suddenly resigned, there were many nights when we weren't even sure if we were a church anymore. Like there, were, there were moments, too, where uh, we were struggling financially as a church and just unsure of how many weeks we had left. We've experienced the pain of key ministry leaders, senior pastors, moving away. Uh, we all experienced the uncertainty that COVID brought, especially for churches this past year. But one thing that I know for certain, sorry, 
that our God is faithful. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to, to come back up here. Um, but as we celebrated five years as a church, there was a, there was a video that we put together, and I'll always remember the this, this song that was playing in the background because it was so timely then, and I believe it's so timely now for us. And we're going to sing it here in a second, uh, and we're, we're going to teach it to you. But the, but the bridge of, of Do It Again by Elevation Worship, it goes like this. I've seen you move. You move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. We can trust that the Lord is going to move because we've seen him move. And it's obvious that that the growth that we've seen as a church over this past year, even these past nine years as a church that we're getting ready to celebrate in the fall, it's pretty obvious that that has very little to do with anything that we've done. The growth that we've seen as a church is, is completely because of him, because of Christ. And we see that here in Ephesians 4 too. Building up the body of Christ to the fullness of Christ and into Christ the head. It is all about Christ and his glory. Our body grows when we look more like Christ, when we know the word of God, and when we work for Christ in unity. Let's trust our perfect God to build his church. Amen. Amen. God, we praise you uh, for your faithfulness to this church. Lord, your word says that you will build your church, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And, and so we ask you this morning, Lord, that we would trust in your plan for this church, that we would not be prideful in, in any growth that we see in our lives or, or in our church that we would give you the glory, Lord, knowing that, that any growth is because of you. So Father, help us look more like you. Help us to know and love the truth of the Bible. Help us to celebrate the unity that, that we have as a church as we work for you, God. God, we love you. We, we trust you and we worship you this morning.